back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. And joining me again, it's Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, we, we're kind of getting getting into the we're getting into the stretch of the season. Not the stretch of the season. We're getting into the length of the season at this point, right? Like we're past that first 10, 15 games. We're kind of settling middle, into the yeah. right, the dog days, as it were. And the, uh, not, the not as mushy middle as like because the mushy middle is obviously the standings. Of course, yes. Um, and that is mushy, and we may touch on that as the show goes on here. Sure, but. of course. Uh, where we sit here and, you know, teams are hitting the 20 game mark. Um, we're about a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, the Flyers are still kind of hanging around. We've got a couple games to talk about from this week. Uh, before we dive into that, make sure to follow the show on social media. Uh, su- subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like button over there. Um, leave reviews wherever you're at. We're at YWT Podcast pretty much everywhere we can be. Um, all right, getting right into it. Um, where do you want to go here? Do you want to start at the beginning of the week or do you want to start wherever you would like? <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let's roll through the beginning of the week real quick and then we'll end. So on I guess it's note. the, so I guess the injuries really first then if yeah. you want to go at the beginning of the week. Yeah. And we do start with a pretty bad, um, some pretty bad news for a team. Unfortunate. That it, yeah. Yeah. That is rolling along pretty well and, and has some really good energy. Um, and that, that is the fact that Noah Cates will be out approximately six to eight weeks, yeah. uh, ho- hopefully, uh, yeah. with uh, some injuries. Um, where where are we at on that? What's what's going on with Noah Cates? Um, is this something well, that we have to be worried about long term? No. Okay. It's not because. Good news. No, the orig- originally when it when when stuff like this comes out because you get the typical it's six to eight weeks lower body and all John Tortorella would say in the early part of the week was. It'll be a while because the news wasn't even out yet. He's doing, I guess this was the Monday press Monday practice press conference before the Tuesday game or whatever. And then on Tuesday, he straight up volunteered the information of exactly what the injury is, which is rare. We don't usually get the specifics, right? Right. Noah Cates broke his foot. Yep. Second period or something like that. Something like second period of the uh, Islander game that was the previous Saturday. Basically, you know, and like I'm sure you've heard this a million times in terms of what happens with when it comes to hockey players. If you if you have something like that happen, probably blocking a shot, right? Yep. It happens. You might be able to play through the rest of the game because the swelling does not pick up until you take the until skate you take off. the boot off. Yep. Yes. And once that happened, the thing flared up. They got it checked out, and then he wasn't available. You're and go that's where this all started. And, yeah. Yep. But yep. Just to, to get specifics, you know, to actually get that he broke his foot. Cool. Yeah, we now know the answer. We know exactly what he's recovering from. You will, obviously you won't see him on the ice for a little bit because, you know, it's that kind of lower body injury. He's not <laughs> right. going to go out and start skating tomorrow or something. Tur- turns out it's a uh, hockey is a, a sport you need your feet for. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but the, good, the good news is, like you said, it it's it's sounds like it's that's, just broken bones. It's not any sort of long term. Exactly. That's damage. just it's, that's just let it heal up. And the next step will be whenever he's ready to get back on the ice to start preparing for that. He will. But he, he's you a know, young kid. You expect him to bounce back. He'll probably get a couple of games in Lehigh Valley well, to get, you know, get the, the engine going again. Well, and it was interesting because so on that particular game, that Saturday game where where this all happens, he started playing the wing that day or that that evening, I guess, is really yeah. the way you want to look at it or whatever. And probably created more offensively in that game than he had in a long time, just in terms of opportunities. Obviously that was the game that nobody scored in until the shootout, but he created a little bit more and it created some different looks for him than playing center and having to defend. So 
you know, there was maybe something to unlock with that potentially like beyond that game. If you were able to continue it and, and see where it goes now, obviously he just goes on the shelf for this length of time. And that's, I mean, six to eight weeks you're looking at, because you're looking at the entire month of December at that point, you're talking mid to late January, really for right, the at, the, at the earliest. Right. So, I mean, I think I guess what that would mean is worst and and think about this. This really is worst case scenario, by the way, because the worst case scenario would be that he's not ready to come back because upwards of eight weeks would be that Boston game on that Saturday afternoon, which I think is their last one before the all star break. OK, so then he would get another week off just because they don't have anything on the schedule. Sure. And and again, we imagine which isn't a problem. Right. Again, we imagine that the Flyers, uh, we we do still hold out that they are probably going to be falling out of uh, playoff races and stuff like that, especially when you're losing guys like Noah Cates. Well, right. I was uh, say, that's a contributing factor if you take him out of play for but, two months. I mean, to their credit, and we'll kind of shift this to the results of the week and things like that, sure. to their credit, it hasn't done anything necessarily this week. No. No, and we'll get into that. Um, but I mean, were they missing a player like like Noah Cates in in the game against Carolina? Possibly because it became a little bit more of a run and gun speed round, you know. And when you're playing a game like that, that is going to be problematic when you don't have guys who can defend down the middle. It, it really showed how thin they were. Like that game really showed how thin they were at the center ice position when you take out Noah Cates. Absolutely. And they kind of were getting into it again against New Jersey, too, if we want to be honest. I mean, that game was 3-1 early third period, and it looks For like it's going to be another time. and yeah. it looks like it's gonna be another regulation loss. Yep. They bounce back from that, obviously. They they rally back, they get it to overtime. They don't win the game, but it didn't matter. You know, it was what it was. And you know, so you give them credit for the bounce back effort. And there's, you know, there is specifically, there's a guy I want to talk about through the course of that game. And we'll, we'll be talking about him with the Saturday game as well. Um, because he had heavy, heavy involvement in all of that stuff. And then, and then you get to Saturday where they actually this time do fall behind technically. I mean, it was, it was a second period when a goal was even scored. It was, that was very much looking like the game from the, against the Islanders the week before you played Man. half the game. It sure was. It was starting to look like things were going to get locked down there. Um, but uh, yeah, that Tuesday game against uh, Carolina really was definitely their poorest effort of the week. Um, you know, you saw the you saw the comeback against the Devils, and then we'll we'll get into the game against Pittsburgh. Well, but... let me say this about the game against Carolina because I yeah. I want to make very clear this was a terrible game to watch. Oh yeah, like this oh, game yeah. was brutal in terms of the execution from both sides. I mean, let's be real about this. This was a two to one game until there was like four minutes left in the game. And then Carolina scores a weak goal. You know, there's no other way to classify it. I understand the shots probably like, or whatever it was, was going wide. And then it got stuck underneath the Carter Hart skate and it goes into the net. Yeah, It doesn't matter. It's weak. And, and that ended any possibility whatsoever of them finding a way to tie the game. I believe I texted you when that goal went in. Yeah, did you what did you just text me oof or something like that? Uh, so, uh, I feel like that's what it was. Uh, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, that's that is what you said, but like, and, yeah. And you responded with can't happen. And you're you're correct. And it's it's because one of those a, things that yeah. when you're when your team is still in the game, right? It's a 2-1 game. You're in the third period and no, you don't deserve to be winning, but here you are. You're one goal down with 5 or 6 minutes to go. But there was I mean, you, you need a save there. But and there was and the problem was also there was so much wrong with the game like like Carolina's first goal to their credit, typical goal. It's a rebound goal. Michael Bunting's there in the slot area, Man, puts it, the, puts it home. They're good right? at that. Yep. You tie the game up 
on a goal that's very much stylistically your own. It, it save save by Carter Hart. The whole the rebound comes all the way out to where Tyson Forrester is. He gets it right down the other end of the ice. There's Travis Konechny, kind of cherry picking a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of kinda, that's kind of what the Flyers do, though. right? That's the style you're going for. Yep. So he goes in, he scores on a breakaway. Okay. Now you got to tie a game. You give up the lead because you go to try to clear the puck and it hits off of a shin pad and goes back in and the guy is able to put it in. It's Brendan Lemieux who wasn't Ugh. even really no who wasn't even supposed to play. Right. That was a last minute addition because all of a sudden warmups happened and Andrei Svechnikov was sick, couldn't yep. play. Yeah, so, that that one hurt, that one hurt me in fantasy, but that's okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> now on the other side of things, when the goal in the third period that we're talking about. Seth Jarvis was probably the closest guy on that team who deserved a goal that night. He was all over the place. Sure. Had a, a lot of scoring chances. He, he is really a really is. good player. Man, I, he's know, underrated. Underrated. Compared to some of the other guys on the roster, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Because like yeah. he 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 should fall into the category with the Ahos and Svechnikovs and guys like that. And he he, kinda, he should be talked about in some league awards, and he's not. Like I could see him in the Selkie conversation at yeah, some potentially. point in his career. Well, he's yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. And then they barely get a chance to pull the goalie and the game was over, you know, like the empty net goal game was over. And it, yeah, and, it was, and again, and again, it was like, you knew what the result was going to be the second that the third goal goes in. Like, yep. sure. There's a possibility that anything could happen. Well, I was going to say, you say that you say that. And then the, the game against New Jersey. Well, happens. no, di different right. because this was, this was with a little bit of less time. And because of the fact that it felt like it was so everything else was so demoralizing, they really couldn't get many quality no. chances. Like it's one thing when you're pushing and you can see the push at the end and you're down by a couple goals and maybe you're gonna find a way. This yeah, was it, different. Carolina Carolina played the game that I thought they were gonna play from the defensive side anyway. Yeah, they, there there was a chance you could have won that game. Right. There was a chance you could have won that game. Carter Hart makes a save there, even if he scrambles for a little bit. You know, well, you're right. you're still very much in it, of course, but sure. I, you like I said, you definitely did not deserve to win that one in the slightest, but Right, so uh, we want to get to this. Speaking uh, of games, the Flyers didn't deserve to win. Um, well, this was an in, this whole game was interesting, by the way. Yeah, the, the this, whole thing because I, I suppose <laughs> we I suppose we start with the first period, where by the way, for the first note that I'm going to pull from this game has to do with the first Devils goal, and it has nothing to do necessarily with. And I know there's a storyline that comes from the Devils' first goal that I will get into, but that's not where I'm going with this. Yeah. I just made a quick note after it gets scored, which, by the way, was three minutes, 10 seconds into the game. I make a quick note right away on, on social. Joel Farabee was terrible. No, I didn't even say that. Okay. Because I didn't. This, was, this has nothing to do with breaking down the goal itself. This just had to do with. So since the winning streak, you've given up the first goal, with the exception of the Islander game, where there was no first goal to give up unless it would have been in the shootout. Right. You've given up the first goal. A minute 49 in against the Islanders, 45 seconds against the Rangers. Something like, I think the Carolina game was like five minutes and 30 seconds. Something in that range. It was less than six minutes in. Yeah, you're struggling to weather and the then it, And then this was 310, and I'm going, so already we can bring up the, we can already bring up the stat about how they haven't won a game yet when giving up the first goal. Carolina was uh, 539. There you go. Yeah. So I was close enough. I said five and yeah. a half. There you go. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, you're having was, a hard time no, weathering. The and this was three ten. So forget about the part where it's just you can't. You haven't won when you give up the first goal. It's look at the times you're giving up the first goal. I mean, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball on that you're number. Up against, you're up against quick. it. You're up against it by your fourth or third or fourth shift. And that's not even yeah. fair to say completely. Like, okay, the rain. The Ranger game was what it was. The Islander game, 
a little more, you know, a little more interesting because you were kind of back in that game and it was one goal game. So it wasn't like it was out of reach or anything like right. that. And in the Carolina game, you tied it up. So technically you're back, you know, so to speak. And that just, you know, so that just right away kind of puts a stamp on where, where it felt like that game was headed. And then to top it all off, they score again to make it two nothing before the period's over. And right. again, what do you think is going to happen when you got Jack Hughes just coming down on a two on one? That's a trend for later that we'll discuss, obviously. But yeah. Jack Hughes, that was, by the way, like that's, I look, I he, sometimes you have a layup when, like, like when I do the previews and I pick a player to watch, sometimes you have a layup. That was a layup. You know, I, I had two right. games in a row where it was kind of a layup on who to go with, and it paid off both times because Jack Hughes had another three points in the game. That shot is perfect. The it's shot crazy. that he takes there is perfect. He's, he's also good at hockey. He's really good. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's no denying that. He's going to be a problem I, in this division for a long time. Sure, of course. Well, because of the fact that like you've got two first overall picks on the roster. Oh yeah. And the guy if, who they took, the guy who they took first out of those two first overalls is not the best one. Correct. And if and that's not to take away from his value at all cuz he's a very valuable player, Nico Heischer is. If the New but, Jersey Devils can get a singular solitary save, they're going to be a fantastic team. I mean, you, you, do you want them to have Marty Brodeur again? I, I guess mean, is what you're no, saying. No, <laughs> no, but that's all they're missing is what I'm saying. That, they, that is a roster that is built to do some damage. Well, con considering the fact that in this particular game, by when it, well, it's going to be longer now because Dougie Hamilton, I think they said is out indefinitely is what it is. But at the time, it was relatively new. There wasn't really a, a whole giant update on how long he was going to be up, but they didn't have him. They didn't have Timo Meyer. You know, like the, the list of injuries that they had in this game was a laundry yeah. list. Like, because uh, there's another one. I'm pulling up the roster sheet right now because there was another one who was uh, Eric Halla was out. Like, oh, okay. and that's not, that's not a superstar, but that's a good depth player to have. Like, that's that's a third line center for you or something. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And that's and that is the sort of thing where when you're playing it against a team like the Flyers, you expect your third line center to kind of provide some depth to and provide the same, some scoring. Sure. And at the same time, though. You have Tyler Toffoli who looks really good, and you've got and Jesper Bratt didn't even do anything in this game in particular, but still looks dangerous. You know, the the first goal of the game is by another one of their young players who's going to probably have a really solid career. I really like Alexander Holtz. I, I did when they drafted yeah. him. I'm not surprised by seeing him start to put up some goals. Dawson Mercer had an assist later in the game. Dawson, he's another younger player who I think is going to help them take steps. They they obviously have guys like Andre Palat, who they signed to kind of take that step. Meyer kind of comes into play with that too. Obviously, he didn't play, but you get the right. point. And well, you, you know, the Flyers have some young players of their own. Sure. So well, before we, before we jump into the comeback, okay, because we're still on the first period, we got to talk okay. about the end of the first period. Because okay. we can't talk about this game and not talk about the first period and the end of the first period. So you, you, you want to talk about Garnet Hathaway? Yes, because, well, because it wasn't a penalty. They're right. It wasn't a Correct. penalty. And the, right. the reason it wasn't a penalty is not because, like, I understand where the problem lies. And the, the, simple, fact, the simple fact of the matter is, is you put a rule in place to prevent this very thing from happening. And then you didn't yep. follow your own rule. Right, right. The correct, your, answer, the correct answer is the linesman should be blowing the whistle far right. earlier than he is. Let's put it this way, too, okay? Because, look, I don't know. Look, I anything anymore is, is what it is or whatever. And, and this is part of where, cause we're going to get into this later on in, in the show too, cause we have to get 
further along the schedule to get to the some of the quotables of the week from John Tortorella. But yeah. he had a he had a different quotable when it came to this whole situation. Not immediately after the game, Man, because he, he was mad. By the way, if, if as you, he should if you, have been. if you watch the clip, he is. I have never seen a coach two hand palm down smack the bench like that, like smack yeah. the, the top of the boards. He was angry. And one, and this is what I wanted to say about like kind of pulling back on this person because the Devils broadcast was calling for a penalty on it too. Now, hang on, were. and I no, and I get that. I think it speaks volumes when you have the superstar of the team, who's not and not only just the superstar of the team, it's it's his brother who got hit. Sure. So Jack Hughes is on the bench, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not talking to Hathaway. Right, he's talking to the referee. He's talking to the linesman, going, Absolutely. "Do your job." Absolutely. So yeah. there you go. He's it, it had enough, and, and he's and, I, and he's not talking to the referee in terms of do your job, like call a penalty. He's, right. It's the linesman. It's do the your linesman. job and blow the whistle because Luke Hughes thinks that's icing. Right. He pulls up. He thinks it's icing. Now that is a mistake on Hughes's part because if you don't hear a whistle, you better keep playing and you better right. brace yourself for a hit. It's a contact sport. Four words that get drilled into you from day one of Pee Wee Hockey. Well, that should anyway. Three. But go well, ahead. play two. The whistle. Now, right. Kevin, Kevin, when did the whistle blow during this sequence? About uh, about simultaneous the moment, with right, about the moment that Garnet Hathaway's hands were pushing Luke Hughes. Right now, to finish uh, the check. Did right? Did did Garnet Hathaway um, launch in um, an upward direction? Not 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 leaving his feet. Okay. No. Did did he extend his elbow or otherwise? Um, you not know. from what not from what I could see. And if and listen, if if you wanted to give him even two on that, I can kind of understand it a little bit. I don't did, think it was a penalty, but did he make significant deliberate contact with the head of Luke Hughes? No. Okay. Not from so, what I saw in that clip. So what we have here is a. Roughly shoulder to shoulder body check, chest, shoulder. Right. I mean, he he pushes below off the, of them below the head. Right. Contact between two players while the puck is in play. There was no charging. There was no uh, elbowing. There was no contact with the head. What? What? Why? What? Well, right. And see, because he hit him hard. Well, and and well, no. I'll tell you what. The, I'll tell you the biggest part of the equation that came into play, and it, again, it's the linesman's fault for this because the biggest part of the actual rule they called boarding. Let's just right. start with that. They right. called boarding, which part of the rule book in for a boarding call talks about a defenseless player. Right. But that's at the at, that's at your own fault. He's defenseless because he stops playing because he thinks you're going to blow the whistle. Right. So again. You either and and but be and and to be fair, beyond well, that's why I put a little bit of blame on Hughes because if you're supposed to play through to the whistle, he certainly did not. In that well, he, he no, it's not that he did not. It's that whistle is supposed to be coming. That's fair at the hash mark. Well, right, you got, you got to the to goal line the and you didn't hear any, Right, you got to the goal line and you didn't hear anything. Now, now where I will blame the officials again for this is you have two options. You either call it icing at the hash marks like you're supposed, to. or you wave it off. It's not just that you wave it off. When they wave it off, there's usually a verbal cue. No. Something like, you know, you'll hear no. somebody, right? You hear somebody, no, right? Or something like that. So they indicate that it's not so right. that you don't stop playing because they've already waved it off. So neither that was why it was, and neither one happened. There was no, right. ver there was no verbal cue whatsoever to stop you, playing. You left these players twisting in the wind. Right. Garnet Hathaway being a physical player. 
who is thinking body contact pretty much at all times sure. when, and, when and, it's legal, thought body contact, went body contact, did not hear a whistle. Well, can we also just can we also problem? just well can we also just pull up the fact that also Luke Hughes is listed at 6'2", 184, but he looks like he's about one hundred and seven like pounds soaking wet. You know what I mean? Right. Like he looks like he's not even close to that. And he got because he didn't have any momentum going at all because he's going to stop playing, assuming an icing call. He gets thrown over like a paper bag, yep. you know, like because of that. And that's all I'm saying. Like. Just you just got to think about those things, and the officials really need to be, like, like to be honest, the officials did it as like, you know, turned it into a situation where two wrongs don't make a right. You know, is the player is, didn't play to the wit, like didn't play to the whistle, but assumed a whistle was being blown because the rule is like that. You didn't blow the whistle, and because of all of it, and not to mention the fact that the immediate result of the play was Hughes is hurt. Right. Even though that wasn't the long-term result, the immediate was Hughes is hurt and he went straight to the locker room. Well, then I guess there must be a penalty, you know, yeah, and, then, and... and they and they called it based on that, too. And they tried to wrong another wrong and got the whole thing wrong. Yep. Because and of it. And that that's what about... John Tortorella was mad about, was that sure. they tried basically that there was no it shouldn't have been. They're killing off. a fi- And that's sh- that's why I'm saying killing off a five minute penalty that could have broken the game open before it even got to the end of the first period credit to the flyers for, for killing off four. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you know, here's part, here's part of the equation. We forgot to mention over the course of the entire first part of this game, that the devils have the top ranked power play in the league that came in at something like 36.8% and they Crazy. didn't score on a five minute power play. Yep. That's yeah, a game no, the, changer. The flyers penalty kill honestly has been, I don't know if they've been an elite unit in the NHL, but they've certainly been their fair share of dangerous. Well, the thing, and we'll we'll definitely get into this when we get to the Saturday game because there's another equation to penalty killing that has been kind of prominent this year. But one of the things I will say is is that specifically over the last handful of games, too, I mean, they did, ultimately, they gave up a power play goal, goal to the Devils later. You know, in the third period. that That also, by the way, seemed to put it out of reach. And then just when you think they're just when you think they're on the mat and dead, here they come again. They you know, sit up, they sit up like the undertaker. Now, I, I, now I do want I, this is where I think it's it's the proper time to bring a specific player into the equation, because we're going to talk about him with this third period after the Devils had scored to get, you know, to make it a three one game, make it feel like it was probably out of reach. Yeah. And that the Flyers scored twice. And the first goal for. I'm not even kidding when I tell you this for almost 24 hours was Sean Walker's goal. Huh? Because that's who they gave it to during the game. That's who, that's what it said afterwards. And then John Tortorella said something on Wednesday or I'm sorry, Friday followed the practice following the devil's game, which was Thursday. So Friday's practice said something that maybe gave a little bit of like a, you know, was kind of like a teaser for like, Hey, there's something going to happen in a few hours. Just bear with me because the game tying goal with under a minute to go in the game was about 50 seconds left. Scott Lawton takes the shot from the point. It deflects and Tyson Forrester, who, who finally gets another goal. Yep. He needed it. Celebrated like it was his first. Yep. And part of that, by the way, that's not, I'm not making it seem like, Oh, he's on like, Oh, the guy who scored three last year and had 
technically two by that point because that's the that's the whole twist of the thing was Forrester deflected Sean Walker's shot and nobody knew it for a day. Or or if it looked like it, they didn't officially give it to him for a day. Right. Because Tortorella said on Friday that Forrester got two goals without actually taking a shot. <laughs> because he deflected both of them. So good for him for that's doing it. Funny. But but I think it was the magnitude of the situation. You're down, you know, you're trying to fight back. You just scored one to get it to a one goal game with five minutes to go. And it's under a minute to go and you find and it's power play too. And you finally get yours. Like you get the moment where you tie the game up. It's the last Huge. minute. Huge. Huge. Forrester jumped, had to jump like a foot off the ice. You know, look, he definitely look at, did. looking like Bobby Clark, you know, in some of the old pictures, right? Like he, he jumped, he got some air. He, he left. Yeah. He was yeah. very, very jubilant about this one. And you know, good for him for being in the right place at the right time to deflect that shot to get the goal. Yep. And and it looks like it's going to set up kind of a crazy overtime situation. And the overtime lasted all of twenty eight seconds because because yeah. they gave up because they gave up a two on one, and the two on one was with the Hughes brothers because Luke Hughes, by the way, came back at the start of the second period. Um, by the by the way, real quick, can we talk about the um the penalty that resulted in that power play? That Tyson Forrester scored on to, to, to tie the game there. Oh, sure. The, the Brendan Smith slashing. Yes. The Brendan yeah, so, Smith slashing call that, uh, well, Brendan, that, that really, get, well, that earned him a two game suspension. Sure. Brendan um, Smith and Travis Konechny got in a little bit of an altercation. Um, for what it's worth, by the way, because Konechny doesn't, sh- or he came away scot free on the ice in right. that moment. He got fined the next day because it wasn't exactly like it was a little cross check. No, he whacked them pretty it, good. Yeah. He, well, he, so he started but, it and then. But if the, you're resp- only, the response if was you're, a two-handed slash that was dangerous. Right. If you're only going to give Brendan Smith two minutes, which, by the way, should have been five, right? And af- especially, you know, right, if we're talking Garnet Hathaway, especially right. after the rest have had time to go in the room and see that hit and see that that was a clean hit and that maybe they called that a little bit wrong. How do we look at this situation where a player sure. turns and full-blown tomahawk? Two hands. Yep, two-hander. Full-blown two-hand like that is if okay. <laughs> Couple times throughout this show, yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers have been faced with severe instances of intent to injure by their opponent. Uh, <laughs> the most notable that I can think of off the top of my head, any guesses? In I'm recent years, of of deliberate intent to injure. The one that jumped immediately to my brain, and it leads us into our other opponents here, uh, is Evgeny Malkin and the stick swing against Michael Raffle. Mm, okay, I, I oh, kind of where you're going. See, well, when, no, no, you, no. When, I just well, mean when, in terms when, of intent uh, to injure. Sure. Well, when um, you said when you said involving the other team that we're going to talk about in a moment too, I immediately went back to 2012, and there was the late oh, moment. Man. There was, the, there was the, the you know which game I'm already going to. Because Danny Briere took Game a hit six. that was well, well, you had that one, and then you also had in the playoffs that was where, regular, yeah, right. But then you had in the playoffs where I think was that still Matt Cook at the time who took a run at both Couturier and Drew, it and Drew sure got was. up, Drew got up and was staggered, and so was Couturier for a little bit, and yep. it was on the same player. Malkin did it to Couturier, and then Cook did it to Matt Drew. Cook. Yep. Yeah, I know. Um, r- before we get off of this game and go to the Pittsburgh yeah, yeah, game, because yeah. because we teased the other part of it, and you you said who it was. Um, well, but we what gotta, I'm saying, we gotta, what no, I'm... no, no, we got to talk about the Joel Farabee aspect of this game. Too. Sure, but one one more uh, thing. One though. more thing. I'm Brendan Smith. Yeah, go ahead. If if that is a five minute penalty, 
the Flyers have the the power play into overtime, and it was mentioned on the broadcast. And you know, it Brian Boucher threw it out there as kind of a, an offhanded comment, and then it turned out to be significantly relevant. Right, the Flyers sure. score, the Flyers tie the game, it's going to overtime. You should be on a man advantage for the first two or three minutes. Right, potentially. Yeah, I, I get it. And in overtime, that's oh man, and that. That feels pretty automatic for a lot of teams. I know we talked about the Flyers power play struggle, so it's certainly not a guarantee with this team. But the four on three, there's just so much open ice that having that space well, is a I pretty can, big deal. I can think of a way the power play would be better. Or, if, or, if or put, well, if you put Joel Faraby on it. Well, yeah, that's one way. But I can think of a way the power play can be can be better in the future. Let's just say based on something that we saw on Saturday. But before we get out to, okay. on to Saturday, yeah, the yeah. Joel the Joel Faraby story. Yes, because because again, we mentioned the devil's goal that was three ten into the game. That was the last time Joel Farabee saw the ice that night. Fifty six seconds of right. ice time. Now, I have I have no problem with John Tortorella being this type of coach and wanting to send a message to a player. Sure. If 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 somebody you know, because his answer after the game, by the way, was, "You want to know why I benched him? He didn't he listen. Didn't listen, right?" It's it, it's vague, sure, but he's not gonna dis, he's not gonna he disclose that information. Right, and, he doesn't and, need to air and, dirty laundry and, like well, that. And when pushed for a follow up, immediately even said, "You know, I'm not gonna go there. So ask anything else, but not this. You want right. to talk about the hockey game? Let's talk about the hockey game. I'm not answering it." Right, and he doesn't and he doesn't have to and all that stuff. I get all that. Here's sure. my complaint about this the situation. The second that you lose Garnet Hathaway for the game, you got to throw your ego out the window. Right. And and, and, you, and sending you, a message you, is no longer important, especially if you're the coach whose message all year has been, I'm trying to win. Right. Absolutely. Like, right. Like we can talk about the big picture of of the rebuild and what whether or not that's going the right direction and all this type of stuff. And and you know, and the people out there who are gonna sit there and tell you they're winning too many games, all stuff like that. The coach has flat out told you I'm trying to win, right? Sure. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think he did the most. He did he did the most practical thing to try to help your team win, if that's his individual goal, by deliberately turning a situation where you were automatically down one forward, and and forcing yourself to be down two because he didn't listen. Well, and even that happened late enough in the first period that even if you want to give him the rest of the first period off, he wasn't going to play anyway. He's well, not really a penalty killer. So you kill right. the penalty for the rest of the period. And then you sit there when it's over and you say you're back in the rotation. You, even if you want to talk to him in the locker room after the first period, and even if you want to call him out in front of the team, like whatever your method is at that point, like you said, you have to put your ego aside, put this benching out the window because you cannot go down to 16 forwards against a team like the New Jersey Devils. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a perfect example, by the way, because I okay. have the perfect example already. So the other recently enough, um, Owen Tippett had had an interesting like, let's just say Owen Tippett in the second period against the Rangers, because I think it was on the third Ranger goal that something happens, right? Something right. like that. He I had so, four. Yeah. He had four shifts in the entire period. That was yeah. it. Four shifts. And mind you, one of them, like he takes, he took a shift that resulted in a goal that lasted 13 seconds, 728 mark to 741 of the second period. The next time he was on the ice was at 1822 of the period. Right. Do you know the reason why? Because he was getting that treatment. The reason why is because by the time the second period was over, by as the game progressed, 
Garnet Hathaway had been in two fights already. <laughs> to the point, so he's spending five minutes at a time in the box. Yep. Nick Delorier has been involved in this type of stuff too. So you keep going down forwards. Like right. you're in a physical game with the Rangers. You're getting down forwards. So now he has to come back in. Like now you, you got to throw your message out the window sure. about, look, I'm going to make an example of him because I don't have enough forwards to form a rotation. Right. And, and I think, I think there was another part of the equation there because because Cates didn't know Cates didn't really play much in that game either. Right. Um, like there, there was a handful of, Oh, that was what it was. I'm sorry. So Hathaway had fought twice and got some decent amount of penalty minutes as a result. And that was the game where it, right before Cates got hurt with the foot, he took a puck off the face in the middle of the right, period. Right, so right, he right, left right, for right. a long period of time and didn't come back until the third period. Yeah, you and know? it's it's one so of those you had things... no choice. Like you were down that many forwards, you have to play with like you can't just sit there. Like at that point in time, what are you going to do? Literally roll three lines on the front on the front end of a back to back, right against right against, against the, the Rangers, Rangers and then the point. Islanders. Come on, right. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, but that's why I'm saying with Joel Farabee, it would have been like it's fine to send your message as I'm long totally as you have okay all forwards, of, as long as you have everybody else available. But the second that that changed, you needed to kind of park it for that, you know, well, and like, right. Especially like you said, and if, if your message is we're here to win hockey games, like, we, well, that's, we... that's the other part of it. Like, cause you're not going to sit there and as it gets down to it, you had, cause that was like, yeah, they scored eventually on a power play late in regulation to tie the game. That wasn't the only power play they had in the game. Right. They ended up with beyond the first period where the penalty actually occurs and Hathaway's kicked out of the game. I'm counting technically, so technically three power plays, if you will, because one of the penalties in the second period came with eight seconds left. So it carried sure. over to the third period. And then it was finally when you had those two. And oh, by the way, that goal was scored with one second left on the second penalty that resulted in a five on three. Yep. So you technically... Maybe not at the beginning because I don't think they pulled the goalie with four fifteen left in the game, but realistically got it to a point where it was you had a five on three, and then we're going to turn it into a six on four when the second penalty was called. Actually, yep. really at the beginning of that, probably a six on three, because by uh, that point there yeah, was two fifty left when the, when the penalty was called. Yeah. So you had some time. You were going to turn it in maybe briefly. Either you were going to let it run out as a five on three, jump immediately to six on four. Right. But either way, you had other opportunities in the second period where Joel Farabee probably comes in handy on a power play. Just saying. Absolutely. You know, and you didn't go there with it. And you didn't, you know, and again, late in the game, yeah, you do find a way to tie it, but not, you know, not without like, you know, right. with that guy on as part of your power play. That's what I'm saying, you know. Right. So you got to factor that in as well. But they they come back, they get a point. Good you for them, I guess. Like you got yeah. the oh yeah, they they pretty much stole it. That's for sure. I mean, like, right. Tyson Forrester came in and said, "No, no, 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 no. We're getting a point here." So speaking of Tyson Forrester, by the way, want to get yeah. to Saturday? Absolutely, I do. Yep. I mean, he's part of the equation, by the way. And this is what this is also what I meant, by the way, by, by another like sometimes sometimes I pick players for player of the game or player to watch. I should say player of the game because that that's a kind of a past tense thing. Player a player to watch leading into the game for the previews. And sometimes I do a pretty good, like, when, especially like, like I, I use Jack Hughes for the devil's game. He had three points. That's yeah, probably a good, crazy. you know, whatever. I, I, I hit on the pick again on Saturday. Cause I picked Jake Gensel who had two okay. goals in the game. So yep. yeah, you can figure that part out. Um, interesting game, right? Like, hey, can you, can you start picking guys on my fantasy team, please? No. Cause I can't pick any on my own <laughs> right now this year. Cause <laughs> 
one one whole thing last year. This year can't win uh, can't win a week practically. Like man, it's just I'm been having a tough years. time. Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky getting pumped for six and getting pulled after the second. Well, you guys do. Fertile. You're in a you're in a keeper league though. Yep. I'm I'm not, and my goaltending is about as good as the Edmonton Oilers. I'll just say that much. Connor Bedard looks great though. Um, uh, I wish I don't have Connor Bedard. I picked him up. I'm um, sure you did. I wish I yeah. uh, you know missed out right. on that one. Anyway, let's talk about Saturday um, night. Because... Yeah, like, interesting, interesting kind of game though because like similar to the previous week. You know, nothing for more than half a regulation. The first period was was terrible. The first period was so bad. I pretty, mean, pretty not great. The shots were seven three flyers, and I don't even know if the seven was like of quality. It was kind of like you know, you could have taken a nap during the first period and you didn't miss anything. No, it was two teams feeling each other out, and it doesn't always make for the best hockey. Exactly, and and the second period. The second period at least picked up with the shots. Like yeah. you finally started to see some more stuff, and it, but it was turning into that kind of game. And then Pittsburgh got on the board first. Chris Letang, friendly fire, by the way, because that was oh, off of Travis Sanheim. It, yeah, it's it's Honestly, that's a rough he, look. If he was doing it on purpose, it would have been gorgeous. It was a he he mm-hmm. angled that blade perfectly. He did tipped it right to the top corner. Like if he was doing it on purpose, it would have been <laughs> stunning. But um, it turns out uh, he wasn't. No, but but good response by the Flyers to follow with because Owen Tippett scored shortly after, a little more than two minutes after. Yep. Nice backhand shot on a partial well, breakaway. I'll give him the full breakaway for it. He, he got, got a step He got ahead. sprung. Yeah. yeah. By the way, do you see who had the assist on that? Tyson Forrester. He's Tyson coming. Forrester. Um, Penguins got the lead back again early third period. Jake Gensel. Um, let's talk about – I want to talk about this second Flyer goal first before I get back to Forrester okay. because – it's been a rough go for Scott Lawton and, it did, has. and for him to score a shorthanded goal to tie the game up. Did that not look like the weight of the world off of a guy's shoulders when he celebrated that just because and, of kind of how rough it's been. And here's the thing. Scott Lawton has been around. Beaten Gino to that puck had to feel good for him. <laughs> sure. I'm sure it did. You know, um, you know that in today's day and age, a big part of the Flyers Penguins rivalry runs through Evgeny Malkin. Sure. A huge, oh, sure. Huge, huge part of that rivalry. Because I think most of the Flyers fan base and even, you know, the Flyers <laughs> respect Sid for who he is and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, but Gino is that guy. He's the C Red guy. He's the swing the stick at Michael Raffle guy. He's the, you know, yeah. take your ear cuffs off, you bleeping nerd, you know. Like, <laughs> like um, He's the guy, but I just like, like, that's the thing though. I like everything about that play for Lawton. Cause he does have to win the battle first and then he yep. slows it down and, and, makes and really yep. well, makes the move. Jari's in position where he really probably could have made a save there. It goes off of the underside of his blocker arm and into the net. Yep. Look, you'll take those. Jari's actually been, I, I got to give credit where it's due. Cause I know like, I, I I'm really critical of him. I don't, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and he has, he's had some bad moments. There's no question about it. He, he has been really solid this year for the most part, including scoring a goal this week. Yeah, that was, I mean, so the funny part was by the way, because I had had this thought, not with Jari, but like, I had this thought maybe about a week ago because I'm watching as I'm watching. And I was, co- as I was covering the game against the Rangers, I don't know when it's going to happen. 
But at some point in time, Igor Shesterkin is going to pro- probably get one. Absolutely. Because he's a really good puck handler, and he can clear it straight and down the ice. He no wants one bad. So I'm waiting for one, that moment. He's wanted and, one bad for two or three years now. He's well, and he's it. The time it, it's coming at some point. If he gets the opportunity to shoot, he'll do it. There's um, a couple guys in the league who are looking to fire. But Jar Jari's play on it was perfect. I mean, there's n- nothing else you can say about it. It goes in on him, and he just takes the moment to get it up and over. And low key sneaky candidate. Keep an eye on Alex Nedeljkovic. Well, he scored one in the minors, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, and he's so going to Jari be... too. By the way, Jari had apparently scored one I, in the minors too. I so. know, but Nedeljkovic is going to is is going to be looking for it, and he's going to be one of those names like Mike Smith. He may not be the best goalie in the league, but don't be surprised. Well, you if also, he shows up as goal I, well. You also you also already know that both Bruins goalies can shoot it too. Olmark's already scored, and Swayman has looked a couple times. Right. So they both they both are candidates as well. Either, either way, um. But there you go. Like that was just, you know, off the underside of the blocker arm and ties the game up. Last goalie goal before before him. Do you remember? Oh, before Jari? Yep. Um hang on a minute here. Cause it was recent. It was last year. Well, this it was Allmark. Yep. Cause before Allmark, I think I think before Allmark was Pecarina, right? Pecarina in like January of twenty twenty. Right yeah, right before everybody's Man. worlds as they right knew before it the world turned stopped. upside down. Because yep. I remember watching that. That was one of the coolest things. Because Rene, Rene's tried it multiple times or had tried it because I know he's retired now. So Right. And we and we knew Rene was kind of on his last legs. And we knew that might have been his last real shot at it. And it He went for it. And good for it. Yeah, he, yeah. Do you know what's interesting, though? And, and the last two in particular have been like this because Jari did it in the same situation as Olmark did it a year ago. Kind of just grab it and shoot. Like, well, it wasn't yes, but that's, typical, the, that's like, not the situation I'm, t- I'm referring to. Okay. When Rene did it, Rene did it in the most traditional fashion that I can think of, which Gather is the you puck do- behind the net and fire well, it from the goal line. <laughs> it's not even stylistically. It's oh, it's okay. it's the situation on the ice, which is usually you don't take the chance in a one goal game. You have oh, a cushion. Okay. Yeah. And Olmark and Jari both did the same thing. It's a one goal game. There's a chance that that you know that backfires yeah, if, on if the defender. If the guy in your zone knocks it down, you're out of the crease. Right. Well, potentially. I think Jari well, was a little bit closer, but you're out of position. You're not set. You're still, you're still in a shooting position. Right. You're right. not set. You're not ready to defend or at, whatever. At very minimum, you're scrambling back. Right. So it's, it's yes, exactly. It's risky. But I so, think with, with time... With time going on, and guys are just getting so much better at every position, and guys are just more athletic all over the place. You're guys gonna try see more, stuff. You're gonna see more stuff yeah. like this. Guys try stuff at different, and and where I, where I was getting with that too is, is guys practice different, unique things all the time. Like you're not gonna tell me that that's not something that. You, you know, know what I really want? You ready? What's that? It's been enough time. Enough time has passed since he retired. Did he coined the trapezoid. <laughs> well, I heard give that. us give us goalies in the corners again. Come on, come on! You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me, you don't want to see all these goalies. You don't want to see um, what's his name, Stuart Skinner, Jack Campbell scrambling <laughs> out to the corner. Come on! Now I need a goalie who's actually really gonna do some traveling on this type of thing or whatever. I mean, Shesterkin probably would. Honestly, Shesterkin's a mobile guy. He's he's a good skater, like for a goalie, you got to give him that. I could see Sorokin being the the Islanders' best puck handler. 
Sure. Well, and that's the thing, right? Aren't the best aren't the best goalies at this type of thing the ones who can, you know, who can handle the puck like a third defenseman? Sure. Essentially, like we've talked about that a ton. Um. Anyway, so back to the uh, back to the rest yeah. of this yeah. game. Um, so the Flyers got a power play, but so by the way, that was a shorthanded goal for Lawton. By the way, did we say that? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. So a shorthanded goal against... ties. Yep. Yeah. So a shorthanded goal ties the game, which Huge. which to your point about the penalty kill. By the way, that has been a trend of this penalty kill is that they Dangerous. they've scored a lot of shorthanded goals, and we're not talking about like cheapo shorthanded goals that come when the team is on a power play with an empty net. Right. We're talking about legitimate, real legitimate. And like get least, odd man rushes or breakaways or something shorthanded. Like, say, and how happening. many of them? How many of them have been clean two on O's? Um, the two on O's I don't think were shorthanded. One of them okay. was. One of them at was. least one of them. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but either one. way, you're you're seeing the Flyers push up and get three on twos, two on ones, getting get these really advantageous positions. And if they score, great. And they've scored off the rush several times. If they just set up in the zone and killed 30, you know, 20, 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. That's what you want out of your penalty kill, right? Like they mm-hmm. can get in sure. there, they can make a couple of passes, and then they can get the puck deep and get a full change. That's a huge, that's a huge boon for your penalty kill to provide. Sure. Well, you provide now, that. For well, you. Now, see, now you, now you got me curious because I, I think I know what it was going in, but I really, I want to check to see what it's up to now. Their penalty kill. Yeah. See, this is, this is where you got to, you kind of can't deny what they are after a certain point. Right. Teams ranked eighth in the league in penalty kill. Yeah. yeah they are. Like, they're with, a really, they're, they're a good penalty killing team. They actually are. With a lot of shorthanded goals. Like it's not just that sure. they are preventing teams from doing their thing like they are creating offense themselves and like it is well because what you have to give credit where you really have to give the credit to in this at this point and and i'm not like not talking individual wise i like yes there is somebody you can give some of the credit to by the way because i do want to make sure like we we know who runs the power play and we've been critical of that you got to give bradshaw a lot of credit for the penalty yeah oh yeah he handles a lot of that and these combinations are really good and they they know what they've got with certain guys who can kill penalties. Hey, it and, turns out taking Ian LaPerriere off the penalty kill is a great idea. Do you want to know what they, what, who else they've taken off the penalty kill, like personnel wise, though, recently? I didn't even re- like, to be honest, you don't even realize it because they've still been this good. Like, it's okay. not like it's become a thing. He's taken Couturier off the penalty kill. I did notice that a little bit for a little bit to try to preserve some minutes. Yeah. And it's actually worked. Be- and because frankly, be- that makes a lot of sense well, because beyond Couturier, you've got Cam Atkinson who can kill penalties. Konechny's yep. killing penalties. Lawton's killing penalties. Paling's killing penalties. Hathaway's typically been killing penalties. Before he got hurt, Cates is killing penalties. Yeah, Cates was killing penalties yeah. at times. Sure. So I imagine Couturier might get a little time now that Cates is going to miss some. Time. Well, Couturier or, um, for a little while, he took Delorier off of it too because he had Delorier okay. killing penalties. Yeah. I, I can I can tell you a handful of guys who it's not. You know, Joel Farabee, we already mentioned in the show, is one. Uh, it won't be Bobby Brink. It won't be probably won't be uh, Morgan Tyson, Frost. Tyson or, Forrester, or Tyson Forrest. Kind of time. Um, I think Forrester's been out there on occasion, like, okay. but they try to rotate new, like somebody in who's new, and I guess would play well, alongside sure. of a Lawton or something. We're, although, we're still although, figuring out what we got on the roster. Although reality is, and this is where I'm talking about with combinations, Lawton and Konechny as a forward combination has been really good on the penalty. Yeah, it has. You just got to stick with some stuff. They, you know, we, we talk about generating offense. That pair has generated quite a ton, quite a one, lot on the penalty kill. Sure. But one of the things, so one of the things I wanted to bring up when it came to this, because, you know, sometimes, and even at this point in the season, like we just talked about a power play, that like the devil's power play. 
that's still we're we're over a quarter of the way through the season at this point. Still in the you know high thirties, thirty six point eight percent on the power play. Crazy. You know that's crazy. So crazy. Usually, no, so sometimes there on the other side of the equation, there's a team that's usually like maybe killing penalties at a higher rate than you would expect, right? Right. Like that you would think is, oh, that's that penalty kill is as elite as it gets. It's miles above what the Flyers are because the Flyers percentage is modest. It's 84.8%. Certainly not where it used to be, where it was in the mid 70s. But yeah, it's, it's, it's come. It's gotten better. Right. But it's not like it's like you're not pushing 90 with that. But then you look at the teams that are in front of them. And there's only one team in the league that's even close, like even above 89%. Okay. So the margin's not big. Like yeah. they no, keep they, killing penalties at the rate they've killed penalties. They will like maybe is, even within maybe even is, within a week or so they would pass and go into sixth place. That's how close they are to sixth. This is dangerously close to be being considered an, an elite penalty killing unit. In terms like of being like, yeah, among the top five in the league, potentially, yes, they're closing in on close. that possibility. I mean, they're top and, ten. Top ten well, is usually a good category you know, categorizer for it. If you get into the five, six, seven range, I would argue with the offense you create that uh, you 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 know have an argument for being one of those elite units. Sure. Um, By the way, so but, the devil, so the devil's power play really quick. Cause I went over the power play numbers. Cause I know we're going to bring that up in a second anyway, for the flyer side of things. Um, so the, the devil's power play percentage has dropped by like a very small amount. It's, 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 it's yeah. it, well, it's, a, it's an even 36% now, which, okay. You know, no big deal. Remember what we were talking about with um them killing off a five, a five minute power play against this top ranked, yeah. Power play that the Devils have, yeah. On the road, it was, it, and this is after I'm. I, I think they played another road, and maybe not. I think they played at home the other night. So actually, that's not the case. But on the road, their power play is forty point five percent. And and they look. Did they get one out of it? Yes, they still. One of those goals that they have came against the Flyers. That's crazy. But you're talking about a five minute power play. That's insane. The fact like, that they didn't score nuts. three on you is right. Is the fact exactly. Now, meanwhile, now, meanwhile, on the other side of the equation, the Flyers power play is still not very good. But in you, this particular, you, you mean to tell me that 12.3% is bad, Kevin? Uh, I don't have to tell you that that part's bad. 28th in the league is bad. Fair enough. It's, like it's you're 28th in the league. You know, yeah. do you know what actually makes it even worse than that? To be honest, okay. I have, I have a different, like I have the whole league picture in front of me. Yeah. Which yeah. includes power play goals scored and power play opportunities. Yeah. They they rank tied for 10th in the league in power play opportunities. Wow. So they've drawn a ton, ton of penalties. Wow. Like the next like the numbers of the teams around them, like one of the other power plays that is not very good in the league or has had like this level of opportunities and ha- doesn't have much higher of a percentage is the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal is 24th in the league and has a 16.9 percentage. But they've had 89 power play opportunities. The Flyers are the next highest among the teams below that. Right. And the numbers around them, I'll just read them off rapid fire because there's only seven anyway. So the numbers around them, 71, 75, 78, 73, 64, 70, and 60. Oof. So they have like there's cl- a couple of teams on this list that they are close to 20 more power play opportunities than, you know. Right. And it, it, over the course of a season, not converting on those will cost you games, right? Like it's 
just one sure. of those things that you have to be producing. It, like if you are attempting to make the playoffs, if you are attempting to kind of do the thing, make the run, be that Cinderella it, team, the power play has got to be part of that. Sure. Now, it, it is ironic, by the way, that the team that we are talking about them playing at the given moment actually is one of the teams that has a worse power play percentage than they yeah. do. Yeah, that I mean, is Pitt's, Pittsburgh's power play. And and you actually like, listen, this way. you could see it from the very first power play of the game because they got a power play like less than two minutes into the game. And the that period was winding down. And they were still getting out shot six to one. Yeah, like they didn't generate anything on that. And 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 it, it, it is it a little confusing? Sure, it is, because that's a power play that, you know, what you're like by this point, you know what you're going to get. Absolutely. It's Crosby, it's Malkin, it's Gensel, it's probably Latang or Carlson, one of the two. Brian Rust is probably the fifth guy. You know, but you expect that unit to be able to score a little bit. And hell, not only did they not score at any point during the game with a, with a power play, they gave up a shorthanded goal. Right. Like and they lost the special team battle. So back to the Flyers power right. play. Right. And I was gonna say the Flyers did score two power play goals in this game. No, and... just one. Just one. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Um it was two special did... teams goals in the third period. You're which right. a big deal. But right. it was is... two it was two power play goals against the Devils. That's yeah, what it was. But this was my point. This was precisely my point with the power play. You got I three think... goals in your last two games. Well, not only that, but I I'm look well, I'm looking at in particular, I'm looking at the goal that they scored in this game against Pittsburgh. That is the style of which, like, if they could score more goals like that on a power play, please, you know, because you're talking about Tyson Forrester and the shot that we've been waiting to see. I mean, he scored three goals on the season coming into that before that goal, and all three of them were, like, not really his type of shot. You had the two that were deflections, obviously, and then you had the one that was right at the front of the net where he puts, like, it was a carom off the end boards. Right. So he's just putting it back on goal. He's not ripping it like this was grip and rip and go top shelf. Yep. And, and it was an and absolute I saw that beauty. Thing, I saw that thing sail to the top of that and I went, whoo, OK, like there it is. Like, yeah. And then um, that was pretty. And then shortly after that, you know, Jake Gensel or, the, you know, the, the Penguins pull the goalie, get the empty net. Jake Gensel scores with 21 they seconds just, to go. They just couldn't clear the zone no. enough down the stretch. I mean, they were trying to, obviously, and it was just, you know, it, it was, was what it was. Too much pressure from the Penguins. Sure. Now, the now here's the thing. So they so they go to overtime. The Penguins dominated the overtime. Yep. For the most part. The great thing is a, it's only well, five minutes. Well, and even got a penalty at the end because they were caught and... Faraby jumped the bench while Lawton was trying to get to the bench too quickly. Yep. Lawton fell just, awkwardly into the boards. Right. Got stuck. Got caught. Tried to get back to the bench. Was laboring a little bit, getting back to the bench. Faraby cheated, jumping out there. It, you get called for too many men. Sure. It's unfortunate. But thankfully, you hold the fourth. You get out shot six to one in overtime. Sure. And there was a couple and they had a couple of chances on that uh, on the power play while there was a minute left. I mean, they didn't not a ton. It was only a minute. But sure. But again, that oh, four on three right. that I was talking about, it's, yeah. it's dangerous. I, I guess unless you have the 28th and the 30th ranked power plays going against each other, right? Like, Well, right. And especially with a good Flyers penalty killing unit out there. Sure. They kill well, that last but it's, minute. It's, it's, but it's still, you can have a good penalty kill unit. It's different when it's three guys out Absolutely. there. That's the Absolutely. Um, so how about to the shootout part, huh? Yeah. Uh, so they're good at shootouts well. now. 
apparently goalies played well. Sean Couturier pulled the same little fake backwards move. He, he pulled it a couple of weeks ago. He pulled it Thursday night in uh, against New Jersey. Uh, he pulls it out again here. This time it is successful. It is the only goal in the shootout and the Philadelphia Flyers win. I mean, that, by the way, that was almost a carbon copy of the penalty shot against Vancouver. Yeah, it was I mean, pretty much I don't identical. Think, I don't think he took as wide of a turn, but he came in, did the same move, and put it off the post and in just like he did against Vancouver. Sean, you're two for three with that move. <laughs> They're going to start stopping it. Move on. Well, here's the thing. I actually think it was a well-calculated decision on his part. Because he had just um, done do- it the night prior? No, the game prior? I, I, no, well, because no, yeah, he, it didn't happen the game prior. It was the, the last shootout, you mean? Well, that was, was Thursday like against the. No, Thursday. that was a week earlier. It was against the Islanders. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're no, right. The other one was overtime. They didn't even right, get so right, much. Right. You know, no, you're right. I'm um, sorry. But I think that I think it was a calculated decision potentially, because if you can get Jari moving a little bit, you know, laterally like that. And kind of have to, you know, he, he, he didn't go in. Well, he didn't. Well, he didn't. And he didn't go in on him looking for let me open him up or let me do something like, you know, like that, where he's trying to get get the goalie to necessarily make the first move. He's just trying to get him trying to get him moving a little bit right. by going across the crease like that. And it's a unique way to change the angle a little bit and kind of, you know, if, look, if you can, I'm not saying that the goalie is definitely getting mesmerized by this, but if you can get him a little caught up in your move, in your own movement, like your body movement. Yeah, even if you just get him a little bit flat footed, that's all you need. Right. And well, and in general, though, I think that there's something to be said about going, you know, trying to trying to go either below the glove hand or below the blocker hand on him, kind of going in between the pad and the and the glove hand or the blocker hand that there's room to do something with. So I actually think that yeah, like our goalie's gonna figure it out. Sure they are, and I think right. That, you like, can't go back to that well, well too many times. That was well, I think, and point. I I think the exam the good example is is when they he tried it against Sorokin, and it's right. like, well, Sorokin's a really good goalie. He's Who's probably you stay know, with. I'm you. not saying that like like I said, Jari's had a really good start to the year, but I do think that there sure. might be something calculated there where it's like, listen, because I because I look at this way by now, Sean Couturier's faced Tristan Jari on a breakaway. I'm sure at some point, and you know, sure. kind of where you can go with that or whatnot. So, or at least say, what it's going to look like when he's coming down on right. you, right? Or at least, or let's put this way: you can do like in general, you can do film on that type of stuff and go yeah. back and see what a guy's tendencies are, or somebody's going to know something, or somebody who's somebody who's sitting there with you might sit there and go, "Hey, you know what? Go, you know, go under the blocker, right? You know, or something like that, or we'll tell you something, right?" Um. How about at the other end of the ice, though? Because oh, Sam yeah. Harris has yeah. been in two of these now, and he's, you know, he hadn't he let anything good. in. He looks great. He's, he hasn't I, let anything was, in yet. I think it's seven for seven in yep. the shootout so far this year. And Correct. you love to see that. You really do. And that kind of capped off um, what ended up being a bit of a gutsy performance out of the Flyers. Sure. Um, so no, so Gensel, Gensel went upstairs and missed the net on that. But the other, okay. he made he made two he saves. He made two full-blown saves. Well, yeah. the, the glove save on Crosby, who's as good as cool. anybody in these things, shows you the composure that he has. He's cool, calm and cool letter. about these things. And yep. then, and then I, look, I like what he did on the Rust attempt, too, because Brian Rust tried to get him to bite first, and he didn't. And he St- waited him out. stayed with it and waited out and made the save and they won the game again and i know what you want to get to you want to get to the post game because john tortorella 
is doing John Tortorella things. With the microphone in front of him. We said when he got hired about how exciting this was because when we we were gonna get quotes like we got on Saturday night. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit you the You wanna read it verbatim? Here. I'm gonna hit the whole quote here. Well, do you want the, should, should are you gonna hit the question that led into it? You can hit the question. Yeah, oh, go okay, hold on. I gotta I gotta well, I gotta dig that up for a second. Hold on, because I don't okay. It, I, I'm just generalizing it because I don't have like we, yeah 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 we, go we, for it go well, for it we don't get it. you know I like the transcripts are usually sent out by the home team so I don't have that from this game but the right. question was along the lines of something about staying with the with your game or whatever it was and like is that a part of the reason why you want or whatever and John Tortorella's answer was John Tortorella comes in with an absolute classic we win the game because we've got balls. We do. We do stupid stuff. We don't make plays sometimes. Lose sight of certain momentums in the game, a number of things we have to work on to try to get consistent at. But one thing we do have is balls. <laughs> and you know what? If you told me his name was John Balls Tortorella, I would completely believe you. The team should call him nothing but that for the rest of the year. Hey, Balls, what's up? Hundred <laughs> percent. That should be his nickname for the rest of the year. So, so over the course of the week, he had like three. I don't want to say three quotable moments, but he had like he had an exchange earlier in the week that I. He's, that, he's the, warming up. John Tortorella well, is getting into well, midseason form well, too. Hold, he is warming up, but I, like he had an exchange earlier in the week that I thought was a little bit awkward, honestly, because it had to do with it, it had to do with the power play and Cam York being used on the power play or whatever. And there was this long thing about how eventually, you know, about utilizing Cam York on a power player or, or whatever. And it turned into this conversation about how he sees York's calling card as being more on the defensive side, that that's what's going to make him a successful defenseman in the NHL. So when countered with, you know, he's been known as an offensive defenseman, though, right? He's like right. coming out of his draft year. He was mobile, then all the other stuff or whatever. His counter to that was, who's labeled him an offensive defenseman? Or who's given him that label or whatever? And you can practically see, like, first of all, it tells you that he's never watched or, or talked to anybody about the past of a player beyond what he sees right now. Because anybody could tell him um, he played that position in college. He played that position for the U.S. national team. He won a, They won a World Junior Championship gold medal because of him playing at that, like, like that. Yep. Right? So... It's kind of followed him around, and the second that it was brought up that, like, the scouting community had said that whatever, you can literally see his skin crawl over, yeah, like, somebody else who's not me said he's a, he's a more of an offensive guy, and I'm going to tell you, no, he's not. Right. Right, and that, I just thought that was awkward because, to me, like, you want to know anything about, like, like, by the way, who's given him that label? How about you go talk to your assistant general manager? who was part of the previous regime, who's still here, who was part of the regime that drafted him. Right. Who literally on the same weekend came out and said, oh, he's a mobile. Like, they, they did say he can be two-way, and that's fine. He can be a two-way defenseman. I'm not saying he can't. But he's been qualified as a mobile defenseman his entire development. Sure. Like, you're not going to try to convert him into a stay-at-home guy no. and say that's his calling card. No. No, like, no, no, no. he's in between. He's a hybrid. Sure. But you know, I, just think, I just found that you know, awkward, though, that like you've got somebody within the within the whole organization, within the front office who literally drafted him, who would have heard from scouts that he's got that in his game. You know who that scouting report sounds a lot like, by the way? Who's that? Travis Sanheim. 
Sure, a little bit. Um, That's how people were talking about him when he was 21, 22. So, sure. And we've, so seen, want to, um, we've seen what he, he's blossomed into because he's still... So I do want to... Uh, the, other, the other good quotable moment, I do want to pull this up. Um, yeah. Because this, this one I can read more verbatim because I didn't... Um, uh, I but I want to pull up uh, th- what what Tortorella had to say, fo- kind of more so following the, not the, like I said, not the immediate of um, the the Hathaway Luke Hughes thing, right. but the but kind of the follow because I this is a, this was a really good answer. Yeah, John Tortorella and, had a good week. So because he got asked about kind of like where where like this is kind of a state of the game kind of thing or whatever and. Tortorella basically said, like, started off and said, I'm glad the kid isn't hurt. Really good right. player, young man in this league. But that's a problem in our league right now. Our players in this league do not put enough emphasis on making sure you're protecting yourself from hits like that, making sure you absorb hits like that. We've kind of tried to turn this league into a no-hit league. Now, people aren't ready to be now people aren't ready to be hit. I think it's a lost art in how you take hits. I do think looking at the clip. I think he thinks it's icing. A mistake was made. We've got good refs. We've got good linesmen. A mistake was made last night. And what bothers me is we had to suffer for that mistake, losing a player. But I believe the league, it's a no-go. There's nothing wrong with the play. It shouldn't even have been a penalty. It screams to the athletes in our game, be prepared to be hit because big hits are allowed. Nowadays, I'm not so sure because everyone puts their arms up when there's a big hit. It makes me sick what goes on in the league here on big hits. That's part of our game. I'm not trying to run down the league. I just think we've taken away the policing of the game from the players. With all the new rules, we've taken away the policing of the game. It should belong to the players. It comes into how the game, it's a fast game, which is fantastic. The skill in the game is fantastic. I think some of the rule changes we've made have improved the game. But I just don't think we should take the foundation of the National Hockey League out. Hits are allowed. Back in the day, and I'm not trying to go way back, but you've got to learn how to take a hit. That's a big play in winning games is taking a hit to make a play and being braced to take these hits. And if you do have to have a big hit, you shouldn't have to fight someone two seconds later because it's a big hit. That's what I don't get. Not blaming anybody. I just don't like where that part of the game is going. That's a foundation of the National Hockey League. It's a man's game. We've got it convoluted a little bit. And the thing was, is that like, I, th- I thought that like, multiple times, by the way, because the Ranger game a couple of weeks ago was a perfect example of this because Hathaway and Deloria were getting into it with Truba over nothing. Like yep. big hit. Deal with that's it. What, that's what Jacob Truba right. does. Right. And then later in the game, Will Cooley had to fight or jumped in and fought Hathaway over another legitimately clean hit. Yep. And I, that was sitting in the press box. That was my immediate response was that's ridiculous. It's a clean hit. Here we go again. We're just going to, every time it happens, somebody has got to jump somebody. And it, and it goes beyond that. Even like the first thing I did when we were talking about Hathaway getting kicked out of this game earlier was I looked up when the next game is it's December 19th. Who is Garnet Hathaway (laughs) fighting in the first period of that game as an answer the bell. And I'm not saying okay. and I'm not saying it should be that way because it was a clean hit. And again, Luke Hughes is not injured, which I think we are both grateful for. Uh, but he will still and Garnet Hathaway willingly will because he's just that kind of guy. But Garnet Hathaway is going to have to answer the bell for a hit that 
shouldn't have been penalized was probably it's just frustrating like probably and look there's actually an element where i can understand that a little bit because that'll be premeditated that'll be a little bit like it almost makes it worse but well i guess but because you've had you've had three weeks to see that it was clean and to see that he you know the whistle hadn't blown and just like but i but i think i think and this is to tortorella's point I think that the two things that he's talking about the most are, first of all, it's the immediate response. You know, if you don't like something that happens in a game and you carry a little bit of a grudge and you take it to the next game, so be it. You know, that's what makes rivalries. Right. I'm Um, hoping we get a little bit of that just from Saturday to Monday. Well, hey, listen. Home and home with a division rival. Well, hey, listen. Go back to the part where it's the Devils and you already have, you already made note of when that next meeting is. Yep. You play these guys outside on national television later in the season. Don't you want there to be a, for regardless you want of a little the, heat there, right? But regardless of where the two teams are, whenever that finally comes, you know, when February finally rolls around, cause there's a lot of games in between regardless of where they are in the standings at that point. Don't you want there to be a little bit of a, a animosity there that you can right. kind of, ha- you know, hang your hat on going some, into that game. Some storyline to draw sure. on. Absolutely. You want a little bit of heat, maybe a me, little bit of violence. So, so to me, I think the two points that he's talking about the most are the immediate response in terms of, and and, and it happens everywhere. The guy takes a big hit and immediately he's got to fight somebody. Absolutely. And there's been talks about the idea. There's been talks about the idea that that was going to eventually result in an instigation penalty. Right. I was going to say, I thought the whole conversation, that. I thought the whole conversation around the instigator was, when you jump a guy for a clean hit, you get the instigator. Well, they haven't and... enforced it. They haven't enforced it enough yet that it doesn't right. stop. That's the problem. So, um, so is this he's... another? Is this another issue in the NHL that kind of just goes all the way up? And it's this is going to be a problem for as long as Gary Bettman is in charge. I don't know about that. I because I think that there's part of part of what Tortorella is saying is true in the sense that guys play. I don't know if it's that they play like I don't want to say they play loosely. It's just that. I agree. I think guys aren't preparing themselves for the possibility that someone's going to just come across the middle of the ice and I don't disagree and go you. in for a big hit. Like, and I, th- I think that, and it's well, tough to and, say, like, it's and tough for me to be, say that there will be a correction on that. Right. Because as the league gets it, I'm going to use the word overzealously here, but as the league gets softer around the edges and sure. isn't, isn't as prepared for the big hits and the physical contact in the open ice, then the guys like Truba and other guys who can lay big, physical, clean hits that they don't get suspended for, right. that they don't get penalized for, those guys will see increased value. Sure. I don't see right? why because, not. Well, and that's right. That's, like, and that's the thing, though, the, too. Like, the league got a little bit faster after that 0405 lockout. And then Chris Pronger just ate the entire league alive. Sure. Right. Like until he, he couldn't the, anymore. Sure. Of, but right. of course, but he found a way to play within the rules and still be physical and implement his will. And Jacob Truba is very much a modern day version of that. Sure. Well, and that's the thing. Like, like I know Truba hits hard and you, you don't want to get lined up on the train tracks with Truba at all. I get that. Well, then keep your head up and don't right. be on the train tracks. That's exactly it. It's like, I, I see so many of the hits that Truba makes and I genuinely come away from watching so many of them and I don't have a problem with them. In, in, no, he he is remarkably most, I mean, clean. For the I most mean, part, the only thing that comes close, and and I think that this is factored in a little bit, but sometimes like Truba's a, a towering figure. 
And if you hit a smaller player, it's going to, you know, his shoulder is going to be head height for certain guys. But I will say he does a remarkable job of keeping his trajectory downward. He does go downward and doesn't drive up through guys. And every, every player in the league, no matter who you are, you're losing a little bit of height when you put your head down. Sure. So, you, you know, and things like that, like we, like we've discussed stuff like this through and through and it's, you know, it is what it is, but I, I, that I thought was actually a very, like, I didn't disagree with anything in that in terms of what he had to say about that. For as awkward as I thought the other thing was, the Cam York thing was, right. this was fine. And then obviously we got the gem of the week when he talked about how they won the game against Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And he's not wrong about that, right? Like talking about this Pittsburgh game, breaking down the quote a little bit, like he's not wrong. This was a ballsy win that you, you, this team could have easily crumbled on Saturday night like they kind of did in overtime this, on Thursday, right? Like yeah, you expend sure. all your energy to make the comeback. You get to overtime. The balloon kind of deflates a little bit. On I, sat- I think I think the equation where you're really going with that, too, is you had a lead this time, too. And you exactly. gave up the tying goal and you could have let that just be it. With sure. 20 with 21 seconds left on right. the road, right? The building gets fired up. You head into overtime with a rocking building. You shut it down for four minutes, take a stupid penalty, shut it down for the fifth minute, and then win a shootout. And that is the kind of thing that if you do, if the Flyers do make the playoffs, that's a big two points in Pittsburgh. Sure. Now, and I'm not, I'm not willing to go that far. Yeah, of of course, I'm, obviously. I'm just saying but, if if you do remain in this, conversation. you know, it's funny. This and, and look because we're because we're doing this on Sunday night. Um, this this holds a little bit less weight now than it did on Tuesday when I said it on the air on 97.3. Okay. Um, but I because basically I and this was one of the first times I've been on air during like this was pretty much the first time I've been on air. I've done a couple things for the station like, digit like we talked about digitally, but not on like on the airwaves yeah, right. so this is one of my first times this is pretty much my first time on the air and i basically got asked the question how are they doing this you know and like how how do they have the record they had because they don't have a superstar they don't have this they don't have that so how is this happening and i brought up the concept of how a lot of their wins have been lunch pail style where you you, you know it's just go to work their work ethic is on display pretty much every night even in the games that they've lost this week no less i mean like you put in the work to get the comeback effort close, you know, close against New Jersey. You you put in the, you know, even even for an ugly game like the Carolina game was, you're in that game until there's four minutes left and you give up one more. That's you're right. in it. Yeah. Um the thing was though, and I compared it to, I said one of the things I compared it to was kind of the way like the Philadelphia Eagles, who now are ten, yep. no, who now are ten and two, but we're ten and one during the course of the week. And I said, They've had a lot of games, though, where you're coming away from it going, I don't know how it was frustrating. It wasn't very fundamental. They didn't do this right. They made this mistake, but they won. And sometimes you're just going to have games where there's no rhyme or reason to the actual result. You just you find just a way made, to get a W. You just find a way straight up. And and that's, you know, and that's or, or at least you come away with it where it's like, listen, the will of the team is greater than all of those other things put together. The mistakes, sure. the inconsistencies, the improvement areas that you need to work on, all of the things that maybe uh, that that will frustrate you to no end, like 
like Tortorella seemed to express with this game. It's like, well, we, we couldn't do this right. We didn't do this. We have this to improve on. We make stupid mistakes, but guess what? We won the game. So we, we yeah, gutted yeah, it out. Yeah. So you know what that means? You know how we win this game? We win this game because we've got balls. That's we've what got it balls. is. And that's, yeah. and that's a fair enough explanation. And that's why I kind of said like, like now think about it. This team's 12, 10 and two. Yeah. And you're 24 games into the season. And that's real. It's not only is it real and like, listen, do you know what the interesting part is? And again, this is not going to please a lot of people because at the moment that doesn't put you in a playoff spot. Technically. Well, no, right. And no, and you are tied for it. You're, you're out on games in hand, etc. whatever. Not oh, super critically important right now, but, but the fact that you are what, still hanging out around he, the playoff. Well, right. And here's what is important. You were under a minute. So you were basically 50 seconds away from nothing against New Jersey. You were 50 yeah. seconds away from that. And even though you gave up the tying goal against Pittsburgh, that could turn into a bunch of different things. There was, let's put it this way. You were trailing in that early third period. You're down two to one. You could that have lost could be that it. game. That could yeah. be it. And you could get nothing out of it that way. You could have done what you did, give up the tying goal and then lose it. And so you don't get a point there. Like this week, they got, they got three points out of six. They could yeah. have easily gotten nothing. Correct. And, yeah, and and that is the kind of thing that like I, I know I keep saying if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, this is the kind of thing that keeps you in the conversation. That keeps well, the thing that keeps them in the conversation also is like, and this is the thing that kind of it, it still blows my mind, and it's why I'm not like I, I will not go to the playoff conversation for a lot of reasons because fair, That's well, totally fair. Well, in because in general, I mean, like let's put it this way, this team is. I, I like to play the four point game a little bit is the way I look at it because four points, I think is very modest. I think it's very yeah. easy to make up. Like there's a variety of ways you can make it up. It can be games in hand. It can be just regular results. Like I don't think games in hand actually matter to four points in the standings That's as fair. much as other you know numbers do. If the flyers had four, had four more points in the standings, they'd be eighth in the league. Yep. And if the flyers had four fewer, and we talked about how close they were to going from three to none on this entire week. Yep. If they had four fewer, they would be in a tie with teams ranked 23rd, 24th, and 25th. So eighth from so the bottom, basically. With with three more at 20, yep. hot on your heels. And, and oh, by the way, suddenly a team like the Edmonton Oilers, who are at 19 and ranked and still ranked 29th in the league. Like, yeah, right. Which I mean. Here's the thing, though. The long, the longer they stay there, at a certain point, that's kind of just what they are this year. I don't know. Oh, I know. I'm what, like what they, I'm getting at. Uh, what I'm like getting at sitting here is, saying, well, they'll snap out of it, and I don't know. I don't no, know. no, no. What I'm getting at is all. All I'm trying to get at is the simplicity because they've had two different things happen over the course of the last couple of weeks. They've had a five-game winning streak, and then before the game against Pittsburgh, they lost four out of five. And to their look to their credit they won a game in the middle and right. they lost in one of them in overtime which gets you something but otherwise again 50 seconds and that's just a typical four out of five you lost them right and over the and, and you went from five games with 10 total points the maximum to five more games with two and that's all i'm talking about is Absolutely. this team and this team from a work ethic standpoint is good enough to go on a five game winning streak Against sure. legitimate and, good teams. And they're also not good enough that they could just as easily lose five in a row and find themselves in the top 10 of the draft lottery. Sure. Because no, and, that's how it goes. 
and as we sit here on Sunday evening, uh, looking ahead at the schedule between now and our next show, uh, which do you think is more likely? Because as it sits right now, um, the Flyers will play Pittsburgh uh, in Philadelphia on Monday night. You will also mm-hmm. play in, Ar- in Arizona and in Colorado. You kind of start that central west road trip. Um, oh, the in Arizona game, by the way, is always a good time, right? When you got to watch a game when there's only 5,000 people in the place. You know, listen, it's I think it's got a little charm to it. But for an NHL game, it's a little rough because. OK, so I don't watch a ton of games at Mullet Arena. I'll be honest. Tell you don't watch the ones that are on. Yeah, I got because you. because it is just the flyer second time there. I think it still has the the nostalgia, not the nostalgia, the um, the uniqueness factor. The well, the- it, it 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 helps when you only go there once a year. Exactly. If, like if, if I was a division were, rival and we had already been there sure, twice and if, we're coming back one more time, I'd be like, Col- right, if you're the Colorado it. Avalanche playing the Arizona Coyotes, that this has no charm. Right, but uh, I get you. Regardless, uh, Monday Pittsburgh, Thursday in Arizona, Saturday in Colorado. Uh, yes. So. Colorado's a probable loss. Arizona's a probable win. Just kind of generally tossing that um, out there. Well, I don't know about that. So here's the thing. I think they've got a better shot of beating Pittsburgh again than they do against Arizona. That's fair. Because Arizona's been Arizona's been scrappy. They're yeah. They're yeah. an interesting for a team that plays in the arena that they do, let's be real. Right. Um that that roster has found a way it's Let's say they've actually found a way. They found a way to win more than lose. Like, yeah. not only are they and above, they're above hockey five hundred, but they're legitimately above five hundred. They've played twenty three games and they've got twelve wins and eleven losses. Which, for a team that probably doesn't carry a ton of expectations, right. newsflash, they're in a playoff spot. I was going to say, and in a wide open West, you know, we we talked a little bit on last week's show about there's the kind of the haves and mids in the West and you have your six kind of locked in playoff teams, but that wild card race is wide open. And yeah, sure. as we sit here today, Arizona is sitting in that first spot. I know. And I, I know we talked about how good the penalty kill has been this year. That's a team that I would not want to take too many penalties against. No. I'll say it that way. No. I don't think like, Arizona, like I'm looking at the power play rankings right now. Arizona's got the sixth ranked power play, by the way. Yeah. So that that qualifies them as a good one anyway. But I just think about the guys who I know are going to be on that power play unit. And you're, and I'm talking the likes of Logan Cooley's going to be on it. Clayton Keller's going to be on it. They, they, they've they done different things. You know, obviously they've got other younger guys. Don't get me wrong. But like they've got some vets that are like. Yeah, they're chipping they're in in a good way. They're in starting in a really good way. They're starting to approach being a real hockey team in Arizona, and this is kind of the first year that they've started to put some pieces together and really put an actual hockey team together. Uh, and it's interesting to see what that looks like. Um, but yeah, uh, I do think it will be a good week. You know, I, I think this is a good, and we kind of say this on every show, it's a good little tester week, right? Because Pittsburgh is a team that you got to be beaten if you want to be for real. Um, well, and you're playing them again too. That's another factor. Right. Is, is when you play Pittsburgh again, right away too. So there's already a kind of, um, there's a familiarity there from just the previous game alone, um, for one. And then sure. on top of that, you know they're not going to sure they're not going to take lightly to the fact that you won the game on the road against them two days earlier. That's yeah, the they're gonna one. they're gonna come in and try to take that win back on your home ice for there's, sure. 
there's something to be said about the travel aspect of going into Thursday, by the way, because that's like that's no short trip going all the way out to Arizona like that. That's not know, really. Do you know when they're going to go out? Is it going to be Tuesday? Oh, probably no, probably Wednesday. Wednesday. OK, well, because I, what I would imagine is, is that and I don't know if they'll do it this way or not. They'll probably will, though, with two days in between games. They'll probably play Monday, take Tuesday off. Uh, Wednesday practice and then leave practice and then and travel. Then, okay. Yeah. And then Thursday I almost, would be the I almost just didn't wonder if it would make more sense to just travel on Tuesday to give them like a full Wednesday, you know, in Arizona just to normalize. I don't know. Right. Now I'm trying to look because I wanted to see because I don't think Arizona plays. Arizona plays but, on Monday night also and then doesn't play again for the next couple of days either. And and Arizona's and already be. and Arizona's already gonna be home. Yeah, so they're so going to be nice and well rested. And sure. Now I do want to throw an interesting thing onto the Colorado game because Colorado is now they're actively playing a game as we speak, but um, Kale McCarr is not. Oh, and dealing with a lower body issue that is now keeping him out of the lineup. And all Jared Bednar would say is he's out tonight. I don't know any like we'll see about later. And you're now six days away from that game. One, so, it, it seems pretty likely at this point that even if he does play, it sounds like he may not be a hundred percent. Well, so, he had yeah. he had a couple, like he had a really close call way back earlier in the year where he kind of got jammed up against the boards and looked like he he looked like his knee was shot right there. Yeah, I mean, it could have yeah, been. That was nasty. the fact that he's even played every game is already significant enough as it is, but. That's that's a piece of the puzzle, obviously, when McKinnon Absolutely. can't play. So or McKinnon when McCarr can't play, but McKinnon's right. like they're, they're already. I mean, they're already down Landeskog. Landeskog hasn't oh, man, is, still isn't a able shame. to play, which is yeah. I know I feel the same way about it. Such a shame. Um, but he's just pulling up full of Ryan Ellis. Um, well, no, but there's, at joking. least there's a clear cut reason behind. No, his. I, I know. know. Uh, but regardless, uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a week that there is some room for opportunity, right? This, this could be a week where the flyers pick up six points. It could also be a week where the flyers pick up two points and they're both from overtime losses. So potentially, yeah, this is one of those weeks. And I, again, I know I said it last week too, but this is one of those weeks where if you win all three games, you keep that playoff talk alive. Uh, If you lose all three (laughs) games, we start the trip down the standings and either one is honestly about as equally likely at this point. If if they win all three games this week, then they're probably hot on the heels of Carolina at that point. That's what I'm saying. They're second now, in the division. And now if they all lose sudden, all three, well, first of all, if they lose the first one, the first one in and of itself could straight up change the standing position right momentum. off the bat. Yeah. And and I don't think New Jersey is as bad as where they are in the standings right now, especially no, as they reco- especially as they recover because they were because they're missing as all they these get guys. Healthy. Yeah, right. So like that's another thing to completely like to watch out for. Obviously. I agree, um, but if but you can still come out here and bank some big points this week. Sure. Well, I, I, let's this way. You're gonna obviously you remain in front of Pittsburgh if you win. Of course. Yeah. Regardless of whether that's an overtime or not. So you know what? You might as well see where that goes first. The interesting part will be, and I don't like. There's not a lot of games on the two days that they don't play, but that's the, the opportunity when that happens exists for other teams to gain points when you don't. Sure. And then they play, you know, they play Thursday. I like I said, I think the Arizona game is gonna gonna be kind of sneaky, tricky because that's a, that's a sneaky good team. That's fair, and and you know, and then go, going into an enemy building, you always kind of have that opportunity, especially when they've had a right. couple days to rest. And then and let's just wait. Colorado, despite it all, by the way, is still fifth in the league. 
Yeah, they're still like, just that's still a really good team. And, and, and for what it's worth, like they're they're tied one one through two periods as we finish the show up here against, but they're playing LA. LA right. top it's a good, it's a like, really good team. Like that, that's a potential future playoff matchup. Oh, man, I would love to see that. That would be fun. So, right. but there you uh, go. So. Yeah, and that is that is a pretty good place to put a bow on today's show. Uh, if you've noticed anything fun about our uh, show number here, watching on the YouTube channel, it, it is episode one ninety nine. We got two hundred next week. I don't think we're doing anything crazy special for it, but hey, it's episode two hundred, and we've been doing this for a really long time. So, uh, you know, here's what we do: go on Twitter or X, sorry, the the platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, let us know what your favorite moment in the show's history was. Okay. Um, favorite show, favorite episode, favorite conversation, favorite bit, uh, favorite bracket from the pandemic days. Whatever. Say, maybe, maybe we'll reminisce a little bit next week. As yeah, we, we might do a little something, but uh, send us your, your favorite moments uh, at YWT podcast. Make sure to tag Kevin in them at Kevin <laughs> underscore Durso. Uh, you can find us and also him on pretty much all your socials. Uh, make sure to follow Kevin over on Instagram too. That post game work is excellent over there. <laughs> uh, you find the podcast anywhere you find your podcast, including where you're listening to it right now. Uh, also check us out on YouTube. Uh, in the meantime, and also sportstalkphilly.com. Uh, in the meantime, I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, we will be back next week. We got a couple of good fun games. Um, the Flyers will be kind of out west. We get a little bit of Flyers after dark this week. That's always fun. Yeah, kind and, of. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we'll be back next week. So until then, see ya.